Welcome to Grace this weekend. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, if you just started to come into Grace maybe over the last handful of months, good chance we haven't met yet. So I would love to meet you. And I'm just really excited to be back around. And uh, usually I'm around here a little bit more. I actually got viral meningitis over the last handful of months. I know, it's weird, right? Who gets meningitis? Right? But I did. Meningitis is this, it's an infection actually in your spinal fluid. It affects your brain. And so if sometime during the service I just like zone out and forget what I'm talking about, we'll blame it on meningitis, right? But no, I'm totally good and I'm glad to be uh, back around here. It took a a handful of weeks and I am thrilled uh, to be walking into this series that we're about to jump into. And uh, some of this I'm going to be kind of teaching out of what I've been learning from being down and out for a little bit. And uh, we're calling this series uh, My Get to Life, Finding Wonder in the Everyday. And I really believe that the simple truths we're going to be kind of unpacking over the next handful of weeks have the power to change our lives in in really big and significant ways. Simple stuff, but it's mind-blowing when we put it into practice, what God can do with it. And uh, here's kind of the big idea of it. Uh, The reality is we're all in a, a season today, right? We're always kind of in a set of circumstances at any given time. But here's what I find in myself that Sometimes I view my circumstances uh, through, through the lens of privilege, right, where I kind of feel like I get to be in this place in life, and I get to fulfill the roles that God has me in. And then sometimes the circumstances can be the exact same circumstances, but then there's times when I would view those as a have to, as an obligation, right, as a set of kind of a duty or a, a set of things I got to run through. And I'm I'm asking the question, why is it that sometimes I view those circumstances as a privilege and sometimes I view those same circumstances as an obligation? And how do we get to a place where we're living the get-to life more and more, right? Where, Where there's viewing of life as wonder, as something that I really get to do. And I started to see that that perspective really would move on me. I would start to notice that when I would change gears in life, right? So I would work for kind of a while and then I'd change gears. And as I looked back, I would see that my perspective moved from get to to have to. And for me, the clearest place that I would see this was, was back in college. I first started to notice this, right? I would go into a semester and I'd be like fired up to kind of attack that semester and think, man, I'm so excited that I get to be where I am. I'm excited that I get to have an education and pursue my dreams and, yeah, let's go get it. And then what would happen is I would get busy and then busy would go from busy to overcommitted and overcommitted would turn into rushed and I would see kind of my heart get hardened and by the end of that semester, I just wanted to be over, right? I just wanted to be done. I felt like, oh, I class no longer was a privilege and something that I got to do. It became something that I had to do. And all of a sudden, my perspective moved on me all the way kind of to this extreme level where I feel like I'm kind of stuck in my life and in a series of obligations. I don't know if you guys ever felt that way or not. And I noticed even recently when I was down and out, man, that that changing of gears, right, where my life is thrown off normal tilt, Right? And some of us are going to be experiencing this where, where things are going to change for us. Right? Some of us are graduating right now. Some of us are coming off into summer break out of school. You're finishing up exams. A bunch of us are going to be taking time off or maybe you're traveling. You may be watching live stream even right now. Hello if you are. Right? So we're all kind of in that changing gears mode right now. For me, getting sick was kind of that changing gear. And, and I was able to look back and say, man, I think my perspective moved on me. Like, how did that happen? How is it that I, I lost some of the wonder, right, some of the joy that comes with just kind of living everyday life? 
And I'll give you some examples. So I'm a dad, I'm a, a husband, and uh, 15 years ago, I just hit my 14th anniversary, but 15 years ago or so when I was pursuing my wife, Lori, man, I, I would have looked at her and said, man, I, I would love to date this woman, right? She's awesome, she's a knockout, she loves Jesus, I wanna date her. Man, I would do anything to be with her. You know, and if she looked at me and said, Ryan, you know, would you mind taking a couple minutes to rub my back? I would have been like, absolutely, that is my privilege to rub your back. I would love to do that. Now, 14 years later, right, we're both exhausted, and we're going to bed at the end of the night, you know, and we shut the lights off, and she stops just for a second, right, right before I lay down and put my head on the pillow, and she goes, honey, would you mind rubbing my back? Yes, dear, I will gladly rub your back for you, right? That perspective, man, it moved on me. It moved on me, right? I'm a dad, and uh, we, we struggled with infertility for about four years, the first part of our marriage. And I remember us begging, saying, God, would you please give us children? We would love to have the opportunity to raise them and be with them and, and grow them up. And, and in our imagination, we're like, man, anything I could do with my kids, I would love to do that with them and be around with them, you know? And, and then we started to have, God answered our prayer, we started to have children. We had our first child. And we were like, this is amazing, it's mind-blowing. And then we had another one. And then another one. And then we're like, is there an off switch, right? Does this thing like, is, can we shut it down? Right? We have four kids now between nine and three. We're deep into the thick of parenting, you know. And, and what I imagine, kind of the, the get-to of parenting in practice doesn't always show up, right? I, I imagine that I would, I would always want to play with my kids and do everything they want to do. Well, God gave us these three beautiful girls and one boy. I prayed, we prayed for uh, four kids in five years, and I asked God for the oldest to be a boy, and that's exactly what I got. I got an oldest boy and then three girls right after that. And so now when my little girls look at me with, with baby dolls in their arms and they're, I'm running out the door to catch up on work, I, I made a break and I, I can finally get caught up and I'm fired up to go attack a day. And they say, Daddy, will you come play dolls with me? Yes, honey, I love you so much. I will sit down and I'll play with you, right? That, that get to turned into a have to, right? And it's so simple but it, it's the reality of the loss of wonder and how do I move from a place where I, I feel sometimes like work or my role in life or my place in life is an obligation to a place where it's a privilege again. How do I rediscover that and find it again? So that's what we want to do in this series. We want, we want to kind of take some time and talk about how do we live the get-to life, right? How, how do I live my get-to life instead of my have-to life? And all we really have time to do today is kind of lay out a picture or a paradigm that, that can really capture what this whole thing is about. So we want to do that. We want to spend some time kind of unpacking a way to think about wonder and a way to think about get to and have to and what happens when we roll down either one of those roads of living out the have to mindset or living out the get to mindset and see where that might take us. So I want to dive into this a little bit. Jesus would talk about this, this life and this kind of wonder that we can have. He wouldn't use the same language we would, but he would refer to this new life we can have. I want to show you this real quick. We just put it on the screen. You don't need to turn there in your Bibles. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus would say this in the middle of a teaching. He said in referring really to Satan in this passage, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
And so sometimes when, when that verse is taught by teachers, when Jesus is saying, I, I came that they might have life and have it to the full, sometimes that verse is taught falsely, that that life that Jesus came to bring to us is mostly having to do with our circumstances. That when Jesus brought life, that he would make everything better and we would never get sick and we would always be rich. And if you put 100 bucks in the plate, 10,000 10, will return, right? And that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about. When he talks about bringing life and bringing life to the full, he's not saying that he's gonna bring us heaven on earth today. That's not what he meant, right? When he's saying, I'm gonna bring life, what he's talking about, he's, he's talking about a life that would change us from the inside out, right, that it would transform us, right, and we put our faith in Jesus, what the Bible would say is the Holy Spirit, God himself comes and lives inside of us, and he causes me to be new from the inside out, he changes my perspective, the Bible would say that the Holy Spirit will create in me peace and joy and love and gentleness, and we, we could even say perspective, right, that the Bible would help me to see my circumstances and engage in them differently, Right? I'm made new from the inside out, and that is one of the pieces that Jesus brings in life. Obviously, heaven would come for those who have put their faith in Christ, but today there's a quality of life that's different, and it's new, and it's powerful, and it's a life that I can live with God here and now, no matter what my circumstances are. Right? So Jesus would talk to this and kind of introduce us to this, and and it's something that Jesus would care very deeply about to, for us to understand that we are to be different than the rest of the world if we're a follower of Jesus. And then the Apostle Paul will start to put flesh on this, put a little more skin on it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you have a Bible, I'd ask you to go ahead and turn there. If you brought one with you, you can open up your uh, smartphone or your tablet, whatever you're going to follow along with. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 it's page 826 in those Bibles underneath your chairs. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one, and uh, you can feel free to actually take that home with you if you don't have a copy of the Bible. As you're turning there, let me give you a little background for what's happening in this church in Thessalonica. It's a city in the ancient world where Paul started a church. Paul was a leader in the early church, and he came and he, he told people about Jesus, and he actually got kicked out of that town by people that didn't want him to tell people about Jesus. They, they refused to have Paul speak that what we would call the gospel, the message about who Jesus is. And so this church watched Paul get kicked out of their town and they actually had some people that put their faith in Christ pass away. And so this church has had some difficult circumstances. Uh, they haven't had an easy road and that's, that's for sure. Paul comes alongside, wants to encourage them. And here's what he says. He says, this is the kind of life that we can live Here's what he says, even the difficulty, look what he says in 5.16. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, it's powerful, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Ever wonder what God's will is for your life? Here's part of it at least. Listen to this again. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. I want us to hear this for what it is. This is not a religious to-do list. I need to rejoice always. I need to pray continually. I need to give thanks. It's not that. This is a privilege. This is a quality of life that we get to live. That no matter what life brings, I'm, I have the ability to rejoice. 
I have the ability to pray and have a relationship with God, and I can give thanks in any circumstance. And, and we all know that, that life is going to bring us all kinds of stuff, right? All kinds of circumstances that we're going to find ourselves in, right? Some of those circumstances may be ideal, right? Some of us are living our dreams right now. We're like, man, it all came together. This is the part where it all came together. We found our our spouse, or maybe you're engaged, you're getting married. I, I know a lot of you are getting married. I think I'm doing eight weddings this summer, so some of you are getting married for sure, right? It's coming together. We're in love. Maybe we found a breakthrough at work. The company's taken off, right? Sometimes those ideal circumstances are where we are. Some, sometimes our circumstances are a little less exciting. You know, they're just busy, and I don't even really know where I am in life, and all I know is I'm so busy. Most people, if you ask them how they're doing, they're going to tell you what? I'm busy, right? And I can't even figure what's up and what's down. I can't stop to get a hold of kind of where my heart or my mind is. I'm just trying to keep up with all that's happening. So sometimes our circumstances are mundane. You ever do this? You ever do a job for a long time, and it's repetitive, and you think, and am I really making a difference in life, right? As I kind of crank out widgets or whatever I do with my day, I wonder if it, as I make money or as I spend my day doing these tasks over and over again, is my life making a difference? It feels mundane. Some of us are young parents, and mo- most of what some of us do is spend time changing diapers and cleaning babies and losing sleep to wake up and do it all over again. In the midst of that mundane Paul's going to say busy, mundane, ideal, even difficult circumstances, right? So some of us are in the midst of challenging times, uh, right? Where, where God has allowed or brought pain into our lives, maybe through loss or disappointment. Because if that's where you are, I want to encourage it. We're going to spend an entire conversation kind of talking about that next week, diving into how do, we, how do we make it through those times and how do we actually find joy and wonder in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty. But the circumstances can be all over the board. Paul's going to say, what I want us to do is I want us to give thanks for those circumstances, right? This is what we have the ability to do. We we have the ability to look at those circumstances and say, Lord, thank you that that you have me here and you're teaching me something through this. I want to see where I am through my season of life Uh, through the lenses of privilege, that I get to be where I am today. And I get to learn the lessons that God wants me to learn and wants me to pick up, that it's not an accident that I've landed where I've landed. I'm here on purpose. I I get to be in this place. Paul would talk to the other side, right? the the have-to side, and and say there's another perspective, of course, that we could land on, and Paul would encourage us not to do that. Here's what he would say in Philippians. There's a couple pages to the left. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Here's what he says here. Same author, Apostle Paul, writing to a different church. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the skies you hold firmly to the word of life. 
Paul says, Paul says, do everything, right? Approach all of these circumstances without grumbling and complaining and arguing. He said, we could put it in this language, don't, don't approach it as something that I have to do, that I would grumble against and view my circumstances through the lens maybe of obligation. This, this is what I gotta do. I gotta grind it out and I have to be here and right, I'm kind of frustrated about it. And, and here's kind of what this could look like. Maybe my circumstances today are Maybe I'm going into my senior year in high school, you know? And I remember that senior year. It was hard to get through it, right? Because you just want to be in the next phase. But maybe I could ask the question, is this senior year, my circumstances, is it a get to or is it a have to? Is that last year of school something that I have to, I'm obligated to get through, survive through? Why? So I can actually get to the part of life that I want to be where I can get out of my parents' house and I can go to college and get on with life. Or can I view it as a get-to where I recognize that, that this last year is, is the continuation of an opportunity to grow in my education. I live in a country that values that. I don't have to work for a living to provide for my basic needs. I can actually grab hold of the education that is here, learn from my parents, and move on with grace into the next phase once that finishes. Can I see it as a get-to instead of a have-to? Right? I can, it might be my, my phase of life. It might be something super simple. Right? This, this can show up every day in almost ridiculous things. I find myself saying the language of have-to all the time. Right? I have to take the trash I have to take the trash out. Right? That happens weekly, which is fantastic. But I usually think to myself, oh man, it's trash night, I have to do that. What if something so simple, we stopped and said, you know what, I get to take my smelly trash cans down to the end of my driveway and nice people come and take all of that smelly stuff away so that my house doesn't reek. Right? I get to do that. That is all. Have you ever been to a third world country where that doesn't happen? Wow, it's mind-blowing. Can there be wonder in something that is actually feels so commonplace, so simple, something that's part of our everyday, but we've actually maybe lost the wonder of it? How awesome is it that, that there's actually, when I, when I say I can go to the store, I have to go to the store and pick up some food, there's actually food brought to a place where I can go buy it. How amazing is that? Generations of people and countries of people even today don't have that privilege. They have to go hunt and buy and find and create that kind of opportunity. It's all perspective. What, what if my job, right, going to work, I got to go to work tomorrow, it's Monday. Ugh, I have to, I have to, right? I have to show up, it's Monday. What if instead of a have to, what if instead of an obligation, my job is God's provision for my season of life. Well, what if it isn't a stepping stone that I have to endure and, until I get to the next place where I really want to be in my career? What if I'm right where I need to be today? And what if God's taking care of me today and put me specifically where he wants me to be? And I have the privilege of doing that job as if I'm doing it directly to Jesus to say thank you to him. And I was, I was blown away when I was sick. I, I slept a lot. You know, I slept and slept and slept. When I finally woke up, I was uh, able to like sit up and watch some TV, you know, because I had like nothing to do. And I sat and I watched that show. Have you guys ever seen Undercover Bosses? You guys ever see that show? I was like blown away by this thing. So here's the idea. If you've never seen it before, the, the title kind of makes it 
kind of captures the idea. A boss, a CEO typically, would, would go undercover, pretend to be an employee, and they would go kind of work usually in an entry-level spot, and, and they would see the inefficiencies and see how they could improve their company, right? That's kind of the idea of why they would want to do it. And I watched a handful of episodes because I had nothing to do but just chill in bed, right? And I watched some undercover bosses, and I kept watching this theme pop up where there's these, these people who have made their career in, in oftentimes really thankless jobs, like thankless jobs that probably many of us wouldn't want to do. And, and these people were blown away that they had the opportunity to do this job, right? And it almost brought you to tears, right? Some, sometimes as I watch this play out, they were so thankful they got to work for a company and, and work third shift and do things that were nasty sometimes. And I thought, man, I watched this CEO say, I am blown away by the gratitude of my employees. I don't even see myself as that grateful, and I'm the CEO. And I, I would have looked at those characters in that show and kind of say, I, I'm probably more like the CEO. I don't know if I'm always blown away by the opportunity that I get to have, to ha- have a job and, and to operate where I am and to see my life as a get-to. Right? Here's the thing. The big deal about this is it's not, it's not doing this perfectly, that, that what matters so much. It, it's where do I consistently find myself landing, right? Because here's the thing. If I consistently land here, right, in the have-to mindset, kind of living out of a have-to heart, what's going to happen if I view my life as a series of obligations, things I have to do, check it off the list, right? It's just what it is. It's inevitable that my life is going to be marked by some things because I've chosen to approach life this way. It's almost guaranteed that if I choose a have-to mentality, choose a have-to heart, I am going to become a person of bitterness. It's just inevitable. Why, you say? Because if I'm living in my circumstances that I don't want to be in, I have no I have no opportunity, no chance that, but to anything but to land with a response of bitterness because I don't really want to be here. I'm frustrated. And what we tend to believe when we're here is if my circumstances were to change, then I would be a different kind of person. I'm going to land and become a person of resentment, right, where I'm frustrated with my lot in life and I wish I could change it and I believe that if my circumstances change, then my response and who I am would change. Ultimately, right, I become a person of cynicism, cynicism, where wonder is harder and harder to find. There's an inevitability to me landing here, and here's the reality that if I change my circumstances, that's not going to change my heart. It's not going to change my mindset. No amount of money is going to change my attitude, Right? No, no raise. Finding the right person is not going to change and pull me out of a have-to mentality. The Cavs winning the finals won't, well, that might, right? That might change, <laughs> that might change it, right? But the reality is I'm going to live here. If this is what I've chosen to see life, if this is the grid that I see it, I'm going to inevitably land here. Now, the good news is that <clears throat> there's also a trajectory here. That if I consistently, not perfectly, but if I consistently live out the get-to life and the get-to mindset and I view my life as a series of privileges that I get to have, 
what's gonna happen is I'm gonna become a person of peace, right? I'm gonna become a person of contentment, right? Where I'm grateful and more grateful for what I have than I am focused and driven on what I don't have. Ultimately, I'm gonna become a person of wonder. You guys, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody like this. You ever seen somebody at peace? Oh, it's amazing. It's not very common. Where, where somebody is so at ease and so settled with who they are, right? They, they know who they are. They know who they're not. They recognize that they're right where they need to be in life. They're not restless. They're not perfect, but, but they're owning their lot in their life, and they know that God is teaching them right where they are. It's a wonderful thing to be around a person of peace. You, you ever around somebody who's a person of wonder? and they're always blown away by what God's doing. Those people are amazing. I remember I used to lead this ministry about uh, 10 years or so ago called the 412 Commission, and we used to have teams of students. We would go around, and we, we would uh, do different ministry things. We'd serve people, and this one time we were down, and uh, we were serving a group of homeless women, you know, and I was kind of like the, the team captain or whatever, and we would we would have different students speak and practice different ministry things and I was sitting in the audience and I, we, we would all kind of talk to these women after the time of speaking was done. And I remember I got to meet this one woman and I'm hearing her story, right? And she, she's telling me about all these things that God is doing in her life. And, and she's so blown away by it. Remember, she's homeless, She's so blown away by it, so filled with joy, she starts crying. And I'm looking at her a little bit like she's an alien. I'm like, you are homeless, and you're way more grateful for what you have than I am. How is this possible? Right? I want to be like that. I, I want to be a person, I don't want to be homeless, I want to be a person of wonder. Right? Uh, how do I get that perspective? How do I... Move, and here's what I think can happen. If I want to move from here to here, I got to move from here to here, right? If I want to move from being a person who's more and more and more cynical, more and more sarcastic, more and more hard to amaze, and I've seen my heart getting harder, I, I wanna, if I want to become a person of wonder, I have to move from thinking half two thoughts to get two heart, thoughts, move from a half to heart to a get to heart, I need to start to see that my circumstances are something that I can give thanks in. And here's what I, what I want personally, because I'm not very good at this, I wanna see myself move this direction. And I wanna be blown away by life. I don't wanna be a cynic. And, and guys, naturally, I wanna just tell you, I am not good at this naturally. I like to think about the future and where we're going. And if something great happens, I'm like, that's awesome. What's next? You know, I want to keep moving things along. It's not natural at all for me to stop, to look and see where I am, say, Lord, thank you. I'm blown away by this. This is awesome. Look at the wonder of what God is doing right now, not the wonder of what God could do once I finish this part that I'm in right now. Let's get that part done. And what I'm seeing, I'm telling you, I'm experiencing this now. God is teaching me actively right now to find the wonder in, in right where I am. 
in my role as a father, in my role as a husband, and I'll share more about this next in the weeks to come, but, but God is blowing my mind as I start to engage and embrace this get-to mindset because I think it's a heart thing even more than a mind thing. He's changing my heart as I give thanks more and more for what he's doing, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. But th- this is where this whole thing leads. right? If I have a have to mindset, I'm going to land here. If I have a get-to mindset, I'm going to land here. It's not about being perfect. It's about where I land more and more. And I want to show us a story of somebody who I think really locked onto this. I think somebody kind of made sense of it and encapsulated the get-to mindset in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 17. show you this story real quick. Because I think what happens is when our when our circumstances do move on us, they do change on us, what happens when our circumstances change is our heart is revealed for what it is, kind of where it is, right? And so we're gonna see the, the heart and the mind of somebody come through in a pretty strong way. Luke 17, verse 11, page 731, in those Bibles under the chairs, we're looking at the ministry of Jesus as he's serving some people, and here's, here's what it says. Let me read it, and we'll come back and talk through it. Jesus says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, rise and go, and your faith has made you well. So here, here's what's going on. Jesus is traveling throughout uh, ancient Israel. And as he travels, he's traveling between Samaria and Galilee. And the Samaritans would have been like, kind of like half-breeds in the Jewish mind. They would have viewed them that way. And they would only have been half-legitimate. They were half-Jewish and half-Gentile, which is non-Jewish. And they would have been viewed as a lower group of people. And they came across, as Jesus was walking, he came to the outskirts of the villages, and at the outside of the villages, there would have been lepers because they weren't allowed to be in the village or the, the, the words that the Bible would often use for it would be in the camp. They had to be separated out. They kind of had to be quarantined because they were contagious, right? And, and the, the lepers would have had kind of a rough lot as they got leprosy, kind of the skin disease. They, they would have been pushed away from the community. They would have been isolated. They would have been lonely. They wouldn't have been able to do all of the religious things that people got to do and really engage their relationship with God. And they would be desperate to be changed. They would have been desperate to have someone help them. And as Jesus approaches this village to enter it, he sees this group of 10 men who all have leprosy. They all have the same set of needs and they're all desperate and they all come to Jesus and say, Master, have pity on us. Jesus then sends them all the way to the priest and miraculously they are all healed. All have needs, they're all crying out for help and they are all healed by the work of Jesus. What Jesus catches is is something that's fascinating to see. 
all of their external circumstances are the same. But Jesus would, would notice that one of their hearts was different. One of their minds was different. One of them was captivated by what they get to go through. They get to be healed. And here's what he would say in verse 15. He would say one of them came back. After God had worked in their life, after Jesus had performed this miracle in their life, one of them would come back and one would thank Jesus for the work that he had performed in him. And Jesus would pick up on that and say, where's everybody else? How, how come you're the only one that came back and, and viewed your life through privilege and gave thanks to me for it? Mind-blowing example of this leper whose heart was tuned in to, to what God was already doing. And when the circumstances changed, we see his heart hit the surface. You guys, here's the reality, right? We all have God working in our lives all the time. Some, some of us have had God work in our lives in significant ways. And some of our marriages have been rescued, saved. So some of us have been broken out of addiction. Some of us have seen God open our eyes to a whole new set of truth that we never thought was possible. Some of us have found a family even here at Grace. And the reality is that, that all of us, if we were honest and we took the time to really look, we would see God's fingerprints all over our story. Everything from how we were raised and the family that we were brought up in and the generation, the time that, that we were given life that God's fingerprints are all over that. Right? The, the question I think this passage brings up, am I gonna be someone who comes back that, that re-engages life as God works in me and says, man, I get to see God's work in and through me all the time. And I get to live out this season. And I wanna come back and bring thanks to God for it. And I realize some of us are here and maybe you got drugged by a friend and you're like, this whole Jesus thing is new to me. I don't even know what's going on. You're talking about lepers and meningitis and it's weird. Right? <laughs> I hear you. And I remember being brand new to church and the whole thing's overwhelming. Right? But, but the reality is there's something true here, isn't there? I, I met Jesus at 19 and I would have said, I wouldn't have been able to describe it this way, but there was, like the leper, there were, there were needs in my life that I knew I couldn't change. I knew I couldn't fix myself, right? That I had the ultimate need. I had a, a sin problem. I would have said, I, I know I've done things I'm not proud of. And I know I need help. I, I can't fix myself. I've tried really hard. I want someone to help me. That's probably how I would have said it. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of there and you're saying, I don't know where to start. You start where the leper starts to say, Master, have pity on me. And Jesus will do for you what he's done for me where he came and he forgave my sin. He offered his life in place for mine. That's what Jesus was doing when he died on the cross. And we get to live a new life. Right? We get to be forgiven we get to have our eternal destiny move from hell to heaven. And that all happens when I look at Jesus and say, thank you, I wanna receive your forgiveness for my sin and I'm gonna live the rest of my life as a response to you 
to what you've done in me. If you've never made that decision, guys, I'd encourage you to make it for the first time. Just say, Jesus, help me. I need you. Forgive my sin. I want you to lead my life. And I realize that's a big decision. And uh, if you need help, need questions, answer, guys, just jot that on the connection card and we can talk offline. We can have that conversation. We would love to do that. Guys, for the rest of us, you say, I know Jesus. I know that, that the Holy Spirit has given me the ability to live this way, right? That Christ in me has given me that. What I would say is, guys, I, I want us to start, as we kind of roll into the series, let's start to have some fun with this. And this week, what if we caught ourselves saying this, saying have to? I say that all the time. I have to do this. I have to go to the store. I have to go to, what if we caught each other and helped each other to, to replace our have to with a get to? Would that start to catch, help us catch the wonder of the everyday? We start to see it more and more. You know what? This isn't a have to, it's a get to. I, even in the minutia of life, even in the small things, can I see that show up more and more? Why? Because the more I see the privilege of life, the more wonder is gonna explode in my experience of it. It's just how it works. Right, so why don't we help each other? If you're here with, with a friend or a family, maybe you can help each other to stay accountable to it, tease each other, play with it, and uh, start to get it on the radar more and more, replace our have to with a get to. And then the last thing I want us to do here as we wrap up kind of this first conversation is I, I want you to grab this program insert. If you have the program with you or if you're taking notes on your app, you can do that. Go ahead and pull that out if you have one of these. I just put some blank lines in here. And here's what I'd love to do as we kind of wrap up this first conversation. You know, we could just, all we could do is kind of put down this paradigm, but if we can start to move towards this heart set and mindset, want to start to do that even now. So take that out, and in the next probably 30 seconds or so, why don't we try to capture where our season is right now, right? Where am I? What, what roles am I in? What circumstances am I in? What kind of, where does God have me in life? Maybe you're graduating, maybe you're joining a school, starting a school, starting a job. Maybe you're switching gears in a major way. Maybe you're embracing summer and that's a, a mode where you can have some time for reflection. But jot those things down in those lines real quick for me. Start to write them down. Where are we in life? What are our circumstances? As we were talking these all through, what, what kind of popped up to your mind? Jot those things down or type them in. And here's what we want to start to do as we move into worship. I'm going to have the band come out. Can we start to think of those circumstances more and more, even now, through the lens of the get-to? Can we start to give thanks for what God's doing in our lives today? And just start to recognize it. That God's fingerprints and his work and his wonder is all over the place. Can we start to say, God, I don't want to miss it. I want to be blown away by what you're doing in my life and in my world. Help me to see my life through the lens of the get-to. Right, that's what we're doing. Let's start to do it even as we sing through worship and kind of recognize this. Let's start to celebrate the wonder of what God does in us every day. All right, let's pray together. Father, we want to say thank you. And we ask, God, that you would, you would continue to change our hearts and make, make us like that leper. Make us like that woman who was homeless, who was blown away by what you're doing in our lives. 
God, would you open up our perspective? Help us to be people of joy and peace and contentment. And help us to make the shift from have to to get to. And God, we just don't want to miss the awesome things that you're doing in and around and among us all the time. So God, would you work with us that way? Lead us. Help us to know what it means to give thanks in all circumstances. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.